What would you say you do here? You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. There are no more shenanigans, no more tomfoolery, no more ballyhoo. First recording of the new year. It's been, it's been a couple weeks. And there's a cat on the table. With uh, She does have a black butthole. Yeah. This cat is almost it's all. It's not a dirty butthole. It's not a dirty butthole. It's just black in color. Like there's a spot. Like she's mostly white. But she is almost all white except for her. A little bit on her face is like a tan. And then like ca- almost calico coloring on her tail. And then the blackest butthole I've ever seen. You think she's done some bleaching back there? She did anti-bleaching. She, she gets no, colored. No, I mean her anal bleaching. No. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. She's darkening. the opposite because it's darkening. She anal her, darkening. She it's her, not even her anus, folks. It's it's seriously like it's, it's bigger it's, than that. It's her care, care, cat hair, care, cat hair it's so around bad. her. It's so bad. Welcome back to Cat Butthole Talk on Cartoon Casual. First show Casual. on 2024. <laughs> it's great. Hey, remember when we, uh, several years ago, four years ago now, where we talked about, hey, we're going to do this, this, and this, and this in the new year, and then COVID happened? Yeah. Let's try not to do that. We'll talk about okay. cats, assholes. I'm, I'm not going to do anything. You're just going <laughs> to lower the bar. If we lower the bar, everything is... Just the lowest of bars. In fact, right. throw out the bar. Right. Just throw out the bar. There is no bar. There is no bar. That's the key. There is no bar. And so you can't love this bar like that one song if there is no oh, bar. Oh, the to- Toby Keith, yes. Yeah. Which, t- I used to shit on Toby Keith. I mean, I still will like or, like old Toby Keith because he's very much pandering. Mm-hmm. And he's just most of his music was just kind of garbage. But just because I don't like the man's art doesn't mean that I don't like the person. He's an interesting guy. He's, On he's these an, interviews, I've heard some interviews. Well, and he's an interesting guy, and he's, I mean, he almost fucking died a couple times. He's, have you seen him lately? Yeah, I bet he weighs 160 pounds. Like, there's nothing he's to him. He's a small, thin d- He's kind of tall, he's, isn't he? Yeah, he's a tall. Yeah, he is. He's and, 160? And, he's like Yeah, a, he used to be a solid 260. Like, he was a beefy fucking guy. Wow. He, From what? Two bouts of cancer. Two different kinds of cancer in the past, like, seven I years. I have not seen Toby Keith. Like yeah, that. and uh, he didn't. That's why he dropped off the face of the earth, because he was fighting fucking death. Like, yeah. I think the last time I saw him, like, an interview was if, I think it was, like, on Bill Maher. What was he on Bill? That Moore? wasn't Toby Keith. Oh, that was. Um, Are you sure it wasn't Toby? I Keith? I guarantee you it wasn't Toby Keith. Son of a bitch! You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. I, I do, and I, I can't. I, I'll come up with it. I'll come up with the name. It's just. Is there any reason that I should have confused them or not at all? They look similar with the cowboy hat and the country music, but okay. that dude is big. He's big, big. That's dude. why I'm shocked. He's he was like 160 pounds. He's like six five. Toby Keith is not that big. Okay. And he also doesn't have that deep of a voice. Okay. Because that guy has a solid bass baritone voice. Yes, he does, and I've uh, forgotten his name. Yeah, but he was in, he was an interesting cat, too, because I had no idea that he was, you know, that intelligent. And it sucks. I, 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 I shit on country music for so long because I thought it was just so shitty. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, in the past four years or so, I just more discovered some of the more, quote-unquote, underground stuff that is not that underground. Do you know like, who really likes country music? I think we talked about this. I mean, you'll, you'll probably well remember, and you know him, but he doesn't live here. Okay. And you've met him. Is this a riddle? No. No. I've met him. I just met Tom Valentine. Really? Yes. Yes. Okay. Hey, that's cool, man. Like. Because he was like, I, hey, mind if I listen to what I want to on your Sirius XM? I said, not at all. What, just what, straight to outlaw country. Want? He goes, well, I'm looking for country music. I said, really? <laughs> Yeah, I said, well, there's about six country stations on Sirius XM. Did he go straight to Outlaw Country? I don't remember what it was. was he's like, he's but just I'm, like, I'm just really along. surprised. I f- just wasn't, 
You just don't look like a. And his, his wife is Japanese, right? And it, their house looks Japanese. Yeah, he flies you know? gliders. He works on. He works. He's in Hollywood. Yeah, and he does. Or yeah, worked he, in Hollywood. Yeah, for and he years. does. He goes to Europe once a year and does these two or three week bicycle treks. And this is why, at seventy seven years old, you're still judging a book by its cover, and you should not do that. No, he's in his seventies. He's in his early seventies. Oh, I was talking. I'm, I'm talking about me. Yeah, it was no, you. That I'm was not. the joke. I know. I know. But I'm just saying. I thought you'd find. I thought maybe I told you, but you. No, forgotten. I no, you didn't tell me. Does that, that not I, just? D- you're like, what the fuck? It kind of surprises me a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Anyway, so a- not, anyway. Toby Keith is skinny. D- yes, Toby Keith is skinny. I don't even know why I brought up Toby Keith. I don't know. I don't either. I don't know shit. Anyhow, uh, went from black cat asshole hair to Toby Keith somehow. <laughs> I'm not sure. Because uh, I love this bar. The we got, we that's we what got it rid of the was. Bar. You like how I brought that back? That's our, yeah. Thank you, John. I, I, <laughs> that's my New Year's resolution: is to start bringing it, uh, rolling, like reeling things you back. You lassoed that thing. I can't believe I did it. Yeah. I put a I put a pin in it, and I found the pin. I didn't step on the pin later on. Yep. Uh, yeah. I was so I was I've been not reading this book. I've been listening to a book. Thanks to our our most recent guest, uh, Jeremy Green. Uh. Who does the same, he said, right? Yeah, because he loves to read, mm-hmm. but he also has trouble sitting still. I don't have trouble sitting still. I have trouble sitting down and reading a book and not getting distracted with all the things around me. Mm-hmm. And part of that is just my life. I've let it get to that point where I have, I have too many distractions around me, and I just have trouble But if you're listening to a book, is it also when you're driving, therefore podcast time I can, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. when I'm driving. Uh, but also I've, I've figured out, uh, you know, with the – Occupying my time with projects and things like that around my house and whatnot, and now I'm starting to go for walks around the neighborhood and whatnot more often, mm-hmm. and uh, listening to books, a book on tape, but on Spotify, which is great because Spotify has hundreds of thousands of books already included in what you pay for your Spotify. Yes, it does. And I didn't know that until recently. I figured I'd have to start paying for audiobooks, but the the book was suggested to me by uh, Mr. Green, and it's called uh, "Last Night a DJ Saved My Life," which is a Take on a whole uh, uh, on the whole the a very old dance song from the seventies, yes. But it's about the history of the DJ and shaping pop culture and music and and whatnot. It's interest, just very interesting, and it really, um, now DJs aren't nearly as influential influential now on broadcast just because broadcast radio isn't that influential anymore with the advent of. Mm-hmm. Streaming and even a little further back, uh, you know, uh, satellite radio. No, they they were personalities, but and the, you would go to events where they would be there, absolutely. And I giving I, out T-shirts and and CDs and shit. And I saw the tail end of that because that was still that was a thing when I was in high school, and then the next maybe four or five years after high school, and then streaming just kind of kind of got rid of that. They still do. Like I have a friend who's a, a station manager up in. Uh, well, I have several friends that are station managers. I have one who's our station director for Extreme Radio out of Las Vegas. And I've stayed in contact with him, amazingly enough, uh, over the past 20-plus years. And I remember when he was just, uh, he did a, a Sunday evening show. There was local music and new like n- new music that was coming out or about mm-hmm. to come out. And uh, <clears throat> through him, we got to be buddy-buddy with him because we would run into each other at shows that Extreme Radio was putting on. So then I got to see some of the, like, the, the, the live, uh, like, what, the, what do they call it, a live spot. Mm-hmm. Where the DJ shows up with mobile equipment and yeah. broadcasts from outside the venue, or sometimes in the venue, and got to see the kind of the tail end. They don't really do that much anymore. No, 
And you said like '96 Rock was the big one in Atlanta. '96 Rock they had a big trailer, all painted black with big you know, bumper stickers and refrigerator magnets. What was their What was their catchphrase? I don't remember. Oh, really? Do you remember their call letters? WNBC. No, it wasn't that. God, are they still around? '96 Rock. I know the first song they played. Hot Atlanta. Bob what? O'Reilly. Oh, really? Yeah. Like the like when they first went on the air. Yep. I like that you know that. Um, WKLS. WKLS. I think that's 96 it. 96 Rock. It sounds like Las Vegas or something. WKLS. I think it's 96 Rock, WKLS. And I don't think they're 96 Rock. I don't even know if they're rock and roll music anymore. 96 Rock, the original WKLS Atlanta. There you go. But was always a disappointment, though. Would you agree that everybody would think this if you were to go meet a DJ? Of course, you had <laughs> you, you. You just knew they looked a certain way. In your mind, they look a certain not, way. Not even it's the worst. Fucking never do they look ever. Here. And there were, of course, and female DJs like, oh, gotta go check her out. She sounds she, super hot. Yeah, and, you meet and, her and it's, it's like, like do you look like my mom? <laughs> like that's you look like one of my mom's friends with a bad perm. But she had a. <laughs> I mean, hey, I've been told to have a great voice, right? And people meet me and they're like, oh god, I don't even want to look at you. Yeah, when, yeah, when yeah I, I feel so bad for you. We should record side by side. <laughs> No, it's still uh, uh, WKLS, 105.9 FM, Rock 105.9. Wait a minute. There, it was 96.1 in yeah. Atlanta. It's no longer It 96. moved to 105, 1. went up the dial? Yeah. Okay, what's 96? Not 96.1. I'm looking it up. What is that station now? It's like now? easy listening. It's probably Taylor Swift. Power, 96.1. Power. Oh, it's a, it's a uh, top 40. Oh, here's what started happening. Bummer. When we had local DJs to do all this stuff, and then they started consolidating, right? So you had there was like a DJ that that would be in different markets. Uh-huh. So they never lived in Atlanta anymore or whatever. They lived yeah, was out of New York. Yeah, and where it was, they were, and they were doing all of the. It was syndicated. It fucking sucked it because they, that's when they stopped doing the remotes. Probably Joe's. When yeah, they, saving money. And, I mean, it, corporate consolidation. That's exactly what it was, yep. and it's unfortunate. Because uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I remember, and it's funny because it's it's a universal thing of um, thinking that the DJ looks a certain way based off of the way they sound, mm-hmm. and then you're just you're like, oh, fuck that, that okay. Uh, Carlota, her, she used to be on Extreme Radio. She went over to Extreme, dance, extreme Radio. Uh, she went over to like Comp ninety two point three in Las Vegas. Okay, uh, see, I don't, I don't know any of these years at all. ago. And uh, and I remember meeting her at a uh, some sort of radio spot, some show. I don't remember some rock show. And I always thought she sounded like a super cute Latina, type, and she was not that at all. Right. She was definitely a middle aged white lady. Didn't I'm not saying she was she she wasn't attractive. She just did not look like what her persona like was. Her on, voice for sure did not sound that not age, even for fucking example. close. Not even close. You know there are experts or there's algorithms now that that'll nail how old you are based on how your voice yes. sounds. I mean it knows you're in this very narrow range. And I think that those algorithms would the the people that beat the algorithms are radio DJs. I think you're right. Uh, but uh, but it's funny because that's a universal thing. And then remember in Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. Wayne's World, the first one, the first Wayne, or excuse me, the second Wayne's World, where they do Wayne stock, like the yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. they go on to their local rock station to promote the the uh, concert, and the, it's at, it's it's funny because it's Dan Castellaneta. Dan Castellaneta does like I don't know, fifty percent, forty percent of the voices Wasn't Chris on, on Farley the Simpsons. In the second one? 
Yes. Okay. Dan Castellaneta does a bunch of the voices on The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. A bunch of the voices. Yes. And he's the DJ, and they thought that there that he was this big party animal type, and he gets in there, and there's just like little tiny Italian dude that's just got gold chains and his chest hair sticking out. He's like, hey, what's going on? Hey, Wayne. Hey, Garth. <laughs> and they're like, who the fuck is this guy? But it's it, they nailed that. Yes. Absolutely nailed that. Unfortunately, they they did it before I saw it. It would have been way funnier if I would have seen that 10 years later. Yes. But I was like 13 when that movie came out. And I was like, it I made no it. sense. Yeah. yeah. But it's uh, it's incredible the amount of music, or not the, excuse me, the influence that DJs had for decades. Mm-hmm. Because they, you know, in the payola scandals and all that, they would make or break a musician's career. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yep. And it's it 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 I, again. This book that I've been listening to is just so strange because it it I knew this stuff in the back of my mind. There's like little tiny tidbits that I knew. So this is about the DJ world. But yeah. Well, it's well, it's about how the where well, how the DJ became influential. Okay. Now I don't know the rest. I'm only chapter four of like sixteen chapters. So is, like, is it true that that one of the first big in, uh, was it FM or was the AM initially? And then FM was Wolfman it was, Jack. It, was he? An, he was an early Wolfman Jack. Is Wolfman Jack is thirty years late. They're, they're, really? Yeah, because some of the first influential. But ones he was go super pop. The, he had a certain persona though that was he did but alan freed had the same kind of persona okay which i'm just barely getting into it's like early 50s where is he from cleveland okay he's the he's alan freed's a guy who coined the term uh rock and roll that's why gotcha. the rock and roll hall of fame is okay. in cleveland yeah okay um and so uh but we'll, we'll man, jack like he was but the, these was, were all did did it take uh, oh the fm were a lot smoother initially like they were all calm and the am no. were really no that's it might no, get that wrong ass backwards f so uh, so AM AM was the first for the first seventy years or something. So that's 60, all the radio was on AM. That was it. Everything was on AM. Didn't matter. What and it then was, you yeah. had um, you, the. It, I was just, I'm on my way here. They were talking about one of the first advertising campaigns because they thought, well, we don't need to advertise. Why would you do that? We don't. We're we get paid from the record companies to do this and this and this to play these records. So why? And which was also a big deal back. That's where ASCAP and BMI. Like the two main, um, uh, uh, like musician, like artist, excuse me, artist, uh, like advocate companies, yes, or groups, they came about because live performers were like, wait a second, you can't take a live performance that we recorded and play it Just and play broadcast it. it, yeah, without paying us money. So those groups were formed to get that money. Mm-hmm. Well, then radio stations were like, shit, how are we gonna get money? And one of the first guys to do it was, and it was a, it's funny because it's definitely an amphetamine pill, but it was a diet pill that this guy said, That's if hilarious. you send a dollar in an envelope, we'll send you a month's supply of this diet pill. <laughs> I shit you not. This was just on the way out here today. I'm like, that's the, of course, drug, a, a, a the drug that is now Schedule 1 substance. This is out of Cincinnati, I mean, Cleveland area? No, that was not a Cleveland area. I, I don't remember that was, where that was. I, okay. I, I want to say it was Detroit. Okay. Which is basically the same thing. <laughs> And now uh, we're and now we're back and selling drugs on broadcast TV. You're ba- we're back we're doing to the same thing. We it's never stopped. No. Never stopped. Dexatrim. No. Remember the Dexatrim oh, commercials? God. Yes. Um, right on diet pills. Chicks look, were popping those things left and right. Right. Like Pez. So, yeah. Like just. Yeah. But one that was the first one, and there the the so also on radio in the 30s, 40s, and into the early 50s. They were very prim and proper. There was no color commentary. There was nothing except for on the what what they called race radio, 
which really had nothing to do with the it, it really it didn't have anything to do with any other race other than black mm-hmm. and it was there's very there's there's very few black djs out there but the black djs would use jive speak and whatnot going sure. back into the the mid th- mid to late on 30s AM, obvi- on am on am it's am okay on am and am then later on became a little more regulated uh, quite a bit more regulated uh, that's where FM took over, and F- the FM took over, not took over, really came about in the late 60s. Okay. So then FM radio was still, was kind of like the the, the, the uh, Wild West mm-hmm. of radio, and that's when you started getting your big radio personalities in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. There were big radio personalities before that in the 50s and in the 60s, but they were really constrained by a lot of stuff. They, they were still, a lot of a lot of them were beholden to contracts to the record companies and mm-hmm. what they could and couldn't play. They weren't doing using jive speak on the radio except in big black markets. It was Atlanta, Detroit. It was just more Detroit. formal. It was just a formal. Very much so. Very cor- corporate thing. Yeah, because yeah, you can't, and it all comes it comes down to, like, if you're going to lose, uh, just, just like on television, uh, you're going to lose listeners if you have uh, this wacky dude doing the honka honka and just making stupid <laughs> sounds and doing this and doing that right. and then playing all this you know fast music and this and that and the other and then you're going to have at at 6 p.m. is when everybody's sitting down around the talk box at dinner and listen to like fl- family story hour and listen to the oh, like lone and, ranger serials and the they didn't want some, that well, led the into at it. some point too correct yeah and you didn't want that to lead into it nor are you going to gain an audience at, at say you know I don't know noon. The teenagers don't have to go to school on a Saturday or Sunday. Right? They're not gonna. They're listening to the Lone Ranger, but they're sixteen, seventeen, and like, I don't give a shit about the Lone Ranger. I want to hear the ne- the newest Dick Dale mm-hmm. record or something. So they had the, you you they they're very much pigeonholed and mm-hmm. couldn't do what they wanted to do. I haven't gotten to the that point yet, but I know enough about music history only because I did a a, a research paper for a music theory class a million years ago. Uh, on the th- the three waves of ska music and in the in during the um, in between the first and second wave in the late 60s in Jamaica you had the big sound systems mm-hmm. where people would compete they would build these giant sound systems and you'd have one guy who's the DJ mm-hmm. spinning records and a lot of times it was a competition to see who had the newest record or a different version of a record that was pressed and he may only have one or two copies of it that's where the early stages of hip hop came from was Jamaican immigrants going to New York City and setting up these giant sound systems, and they would have two turntables. One with each each turntable uh, had the same record on there, and you would just run it in a continuous loop. And they would do toasting over top of it, which was them just doing a call and response with the crowd. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of the uh, the FM radio once FM became a little, they're like, oh shit, we got this whole new spectrum to play with. And the FCC hadn't uh, really clamped down on anybody in FM radio yet, mm-hmm. so they were doing way like leaps and bounds beyond some of the shit that you would have listened to on AM radio at the time. Right. And that's where a lot of the college stations, the first, all the college stations around Longer the country. Longer cuts of music would come out. Exactly. Yeah. And and more avant-garde stuff. Your mm-hmm. uh, musique concrète. I don't know if you ever heard of that. The weird French mm-hmm. noise music. It's very, very strange shit from the 50s and 60s. Okay. But they would put, play that on one turntable and then play Pink Floyd over top of it, which is something I had... <laughs> I knew it was a thing, but I'd never listened to it. I'm like, this is fucking strange. So it's it's just interesting to see that. But I I, I can't wait to get to the point where my knowledge, it, where I where I caught my you know the early days because the first they say that the first first DJ 
was 1907. Mm-hmm. The first because they were they, you know played an actual acetate uh, or shellac actually, which I think mm-hmm. is is acetate, but mm-hmm. shellac record on air where they introduced what the what it was and it was some Handel's piece and it was sure. something yeah uh, and played that and they introduced what it was and where where it was recorded and who the orchestra was and they let that play out completely and came back and he goes okay I'm going to play it again and he just played the same <laughs> record again because you know it's like 1907 right. and there's like, like do we have another record there's in like here? 30 people listening to this guy that had you know <laughs> and there was uh it was out of uh Detroit if I remember right huh. which was I found to be fascinating because I didn't know it went back that far mm-hmm. that's where my music history gets really fuzzy as far as broadcast or or pop pop music or what would be considered popular at the time, and, and but when the when the personality started developing, that was a huge competition. Probably some pretty good, good con- contract because they yes. they know all the kids were going to be listening to this guy or get, it was guys that was it. Mm, yeah, you know, and they were going to uh, draw the audience. Yeah, and make a huge difference on how many listeners they had. It's and, it, and it was a big competition. It, but, it's uh, in the one of the first syndicated shows. I can't remember the name of the DJ. He had a contract with N- NBC, I think, at the time. This is like mid-50s. And they figured that they could do with repeaters. They could put them all over the United States. So he had, he had a, already had, he was already pulling in almost a million dollars a year in the 1950s. Right. And he said, I've got these other stations that want to have my show. And they're like, well, are you going to move? You can't leave us. He goes, no. They say that you can just use a repeater and they'll broadcast me all over the nation. Oh, and then they started syndicate. That was he was like the first guy to be syndicated in like six cities. Yeah, and then it just shit. That's when things really got to expand. And one of the reasons why FM became opened up as a broadcast band is because AM was too saturated everywhere. There you go. Yeah. And it's the clarity's not as good. So that's not the same thing. We may have talked about this before, but you know, it's it's on air radio, but it's like um, this is a kind of a let's say Rush Limbaugh trivia. Oh, you, you, you know how that motherfucker got so popular? Uh, truck drivers? No, no, I have I, I have no idea. Well, it had to do with money, and because he he was, God, he was out of somewhere in the Midwest initially. I think I think I think a couple stations or whatever like this. But then then he you know you could do the the, the syndication stuff, or they would record it and play at different markets around. But he said, and and he showed in his numbers said like if here's my numbers when when my show is on it, there's this many more listeners, and so they went to all these different talk radio channels or networks that were out there on am because it was it was all am of course back back then i remember when i first heard him whenever that was and came through atlanta because he said i will charge you nothing nothing no salary for these time slots because but he knew he could draw on advertisers because he knew that all that listenership so he he got the advertising money yes he got all the advertising when it didn't cost the station any money. They got like 10%. Or they which, split it, whatever, which, yeah. Which is flip-flopped because it used to be, well, not used to be, I'm sure it still is, it would it, it would be like, uh, I'm using your equipment, mm-hmm. so I'll get 10%, which is like how a recording contract works mm-hmm. for the artist. The artist only gets 10 So he, like, he's, he gets a... He's gonna get he's gonna get everything and then dole them out a cut. That's why he that's gr- fucking that, insane. That's why he grew so fast and he, he was he was obviously well he's dead now so it's hard to listen to, but um way, he, way, for me he's way easier to listen to now. <laughs> but early on, 
he wasn't near as political. He was had a slight political bend, but it was more funny and it was humor. And I remember listening to him. It my, was my, it was kind of entertaining. My dad listened to him for years. So did my stepdad. Yeah, and and for the same reason, a lot of people listen to Howard Stern. Yeah, to see what he's going to say next. Right. They may not like everything he has to say, but it was entertaining, right. especially if you're you know they were both truck drivers. So. And Limbaugh got more and more political, and it got really out of control and all that kind of shit. So, but it was. He already had, I don't know how much penetration across the country because it didn't cost him anything. But that's, that's it's kind of brilliant. Fucking really brilliant. Yeah. Wow. As far as to marketing yourself. And he knew he was good. He knew he had a, an audience. And um, there you go. Anyway, so that's that's not, it's kind of a DJ thing. Oh, it is. In a yeah. way. But, you know, how. No, it has nothing gonna, to do with music for no. on his. Although I never understood. I remember uh, Chrissy Hind being asked uh, about, you know, do you have a problem with Rush Limbaugh playing. Oh yeah, her playing uh, my city was gone. Back to Ohio. Or you see, uh, back, back to, to Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, on uh, on on the show, she goes, "No, not really. I make music so that people can listen to it and people can play it, and maybe we'll maybe maybe somebody will hear that and go, I'll buy a record.' And she goes, "Enough people do that, and I get to buy another house, mm-hmm. which I thought was hilarious for mm-hmm. a member of the Pretenders to say. Yeah, um, and a native Ohioan, I should say. Yes, she was." She is. is. She's still alive. She's still alive. She's still alive. Limbaugh's not alive. Limbaugh's not alive. Yeah. Yeah. Chrissy Hind, alive. Rush Limbaugh, Dead. died. Did. 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 So my question to you is, do you remember listening to certain DJs when you were young that influenced what you still listen to today? Yes. I, I, don't, I don't know their names. I remember when I was really young. I, I couldn't tell. Most of them I couldn't uh, tell you the name. The, right. the reason I can tell you the names of, like, uh, my buddy Homie, which his first name is actually Holmes, mm-hmm. and he went by Homie, and uh, and Carlota is because I met them in person. And I'm trying to remember, there was one other guy. Oh, I met Rick Dees, okay. which is pretty badass. Yeah. Like, and, you know, Rick Dees, like Rick Dees in the morning, or he did, did his own Top 40 show. He also took over after Casey Kasem retired. Yes. Um, and uh, did the, the Sunday evening, like, Billboard Top 40. Yep, yep. Um, but he also played... Dees Lee. Uh, Remember they had the, like, the, like the, sleazy, the sleazy stories and stuff. Yes. Like it was like thing. sanitized penthouse forum Something type stuff. Something like that, yeah. Uh, he was he was kind of entertaining at the time. Oh, absolutely. I recall, yeah. And he he also was in the movie La Bamba. Oh, yeah, he, that's he right. He played the, uh, the a DJ. I can't, rem- I, the, I can't remember. He's a that's fam- weird. famous L.A. DJ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about being typecast. He was in one movie, one movie only. Uh, but he uh, he was really cool. He did uh, a guest radio spot at a music festival in Dayton, Ohio, that I went to, mm-hmm. uh, which is to this day really fucking bonkers because Flock of Seagulls was there in mm-hmm. like 1997, right? Which is dumb to me. Right. But also, and I told Porsche this and blew her mind a few years ago, a a little band called Kara's Flowers was there, and I was like, this is kind of good. It's like white boy funk, really good piano. Okay, all right. I this is really really fucking good. And then a couple of years later, those guys, one guy left the band, but he was the one who started the band, so they changed their name to Maroon Five. Okay. And Maroon yeah. Five was at that. And it wasn't. It was the earliest early incarnation of Maroon Five. Anyway, Rick Dees was there, just as part of the the alternative radio X one zero three nine, uh, which is now the Edge one zero three nine, I think. But. Uh, he had changed over to the more alternative scene, I guess, in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
just happened to be there and I saw him. I knew they were doing the radio spots because he would come on in between the bands and be like, hey, let's fucking listen to X1039. This is Rick D's. I'm like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. This is like going to be, at this point in my life, this is probably the biggest celebrity I've ever met. Right. And uh, he was just walking around like the merch booths for the bands. And I, just, I was like, hey, Rick. Hey, Rick. He goes, yeah. What's up, man? I was like, my name's Joe. I'm like, da, da, da. like, I'm a fan. I listen to your show all the time. And, 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 uh, also, La Bamba is like one of my favorite movies of all time. And he was so surprised that a kid who's like, I think I was like 16, mm-hmm. this 16 year old kid even knew what La Bamba was. And like, no, right. man, the first tape I owned was the La Bamba soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Like, I fucking love that movie. And then my mom, we were watching the movie one time. She goes, That's Rick D's. She recognized your voice. And he, we walked around for probably 15 minutes just talking about music and modern music and where it's at and how he's the guy who I heard, I'd never heard anybody say this phrase until way later on, like usually like behind the music or something, was that Nirvana put the last nail in the coffin to glam rock. And he's so happy about it because he never liked glam rock. Yeah. Which is hilarious because that's a guy straight out of the 70s. Oh, yeah. Like he should have been a, a big fan of that, but he had to play it because it was a job. This right. guy was just wildly influential but anyway i remember listening to uh Rick of course he's in atlanta he was on all markets right so he's in atlanta i i enjoyed a rather i guess it was always sundays right like you said yeah, sunday evenings was, yeah yeah but it was it was uh I'm, i was glad to listen to him over um casey Kasem. yes you know i didn't want to hear all these sob stories and, i never minded casey Kasem because right. my mom and i could listen to it together but i would right. much rather have listened if i'm going to listen to it solo like just me and the radio, it, it, I preferred Rick D's. I remember driving around, going hiking in uh, Kennesaw Mountain, that kind of stuff, and listening to D's show. Um, and then WAB, that's the uh, that's the uh, um, public radio in Atlanta market, and that was kind of fun too. But anyway, yeah. and then uh, we're talking about the um, uh, influential like yeah. DJs, that, w- like really w- WREK. That was that's the uh, Georgia Tech. A college station. I love college stations. That that was a fun. I do play. too. That was going to be one that I brought up as, and I brought it up on this show before multiple yep. times. Is WYSO out mm-hmm. of Yellow Springs? Uh, cool, because you can listen to it now on the internet. That's what's the cool cool yeah. thing about. And it. And I do on occasion. In fact, I listened to it last night because they did uh, what did I do that Celtic Nights, and it's yeah. on it's on Saturday nights, yep. and it's for four hours. Now I've listened to the the um, KNAU out of Flagstaff, like their NPR station, right. Uh, for years, yeah, for news spa- and whatnot, spa- hearts, of, music Heart, hearts, of, hearts space. of space, right? Yeah. And they, uh, but uh, and KNAU does their own thing, but it's a syndicated like uh, uh, Celtic music mm-hmm. uh, show for a few hours on Saturday nights. But this, the one on WYSO out of Yellow Springs, is um, is an actual DJ in the booth in Yellow Springs playing stuff, and they'll play some local, oh, nice. local bands, yeah. yeah, and and then they'll have sometimes people in the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- which is just always really fucking cool. And I used to listen to that station. It's a college radio station from. Uh, uh, oh my god, I can't remember the name of the fucking college there. Talking about Ohio now. Yeah, so, Yellow yeah. Springs, where Dave Chappelle lives. Yeah. Holy shit! There's anyway, a college there. Yeah, yeah. There's okay. a small liberal arts college there. F- kind of a famous one. Like I didn't know it was famous until I got older. And they're like, oh yeah, Maya Angelou taught there for like twenty years. Like it's like <laughs> kind of a, a a big John Lithgow went there. Okay, um, a handful of other like famous people. But uh, anyway, uh, they so uh, I most of their programming it was public access, so they had NPR streamed in. But in the evenings, they didn't play like every day during the like throughout the like during the week in the evenings for three or four hours. It wasn't classical mm-hmm. music. That would be like overnight, right? In the evenings, they played college rock. Okay, like, and I heard 
stuff like I like I never would have heard living in the Midwest. I never would have heard any anything other than the hits from REM. Wow. Five maybe yeah. five songs, which is college. But that's, which is that's but they but they had yeah. by then you're talking ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, not eighty one, eighty two, eighty three when they were coming up. Mm-hmm. This was ten years later. Right. I never would have had the opportunity to hear some of that stuff. Same thing goes with, um, I mean, just really some deep cuts like throwing muses. Uh, widespread panic, like a lot of this this college like jam band type stuff. I never would have had access no, to that. Th- that's what was the cool thing about it was yeah. too. It was like it was different. Me, it's sometimes you still love the classic stuff. It wasn't classic back then, but you love the what you liked. But it's like oh, let's go check out what's on the college fucking station. Yeah. So and yeah. for me and my friends, like we would just put it on. Like if we were camping, like out in the woods, that's the station we listened to because. We were all, and they would play a lot of punk rock. They played a lot of really old two tone ska from the seventies, and the and then in the the sixties like first wave ska, a lot of reggae, there was a some, lot of revolutionary music, a lot of the Clash, like stuff that just wasn't played on the radio. There then. was some dude at, in Georgia Tech that would play. It could have been some, you know, piece of classical music, and then fucking you know Lemonheads, and then, yeah, and then some other jazz piece or some other thing, and then. Yeah, it was just the most bizarre, interesting stuff. I like that. There was no fucking what do you want, kind of river of music or whatever. No uh, genre, it, nothing. Yeah, there was, was no just, format. I'm just gonna go over this. I'm gonna pick. Yep, that's a cool looking album. Yeah, let's play a. Let's, let's, let's put the third track of that thing. That's, see let's play one entire side of a Tangerine Dream album. Put everyone to sleep. Like just <laughs> I and I, that's also how where I uh, heard about. I knew who Lou Reed was because my mom was a fan. Mm-hmm. But my mom also, I mean, she was 17 in 1972. Or no, she was 18 in 1972. So, like, the Velvet Underground was over by then. My mom never really got into that, but she loved Lou Reed. So I knew who Lou Reed was. I didn't know who the Velvet Underground was until I was, like, 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, this 13-year-old kid listening to heroin music from the late 60s. Never would have been exposed to that. So there's a lot of stuff that is just where, like, more, not so much underground, but stuff that would just be completely and totally out of reach of a 13-year-old in the Midwest in the in the, in the the 90s. you have to think about some of these uh, deeper artists, shall we say, that were all kind of, not all of us know now, but they were popular enough to be have a name. Right. You know, where were they? I mean, other than college radio and that kind of shit, where were they? How did you learn about it you, back then? Word of mouth. That tape, was it, right? Tape trading. Yeah. Tape trading kind of took off in the yeah. 80s where you would send a band a dollar and they would make, they would send you, you know, their... Hand, hand on, and or then, and then the file swapping, but it took longer. Fi- which was the same thing. It ended up being the same thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, it took. I'm record it, off your tape. And you record this one. Yeah, yeah. Or recording off the. I'm sure you did this. Recording off the radio. Oh God, yes, all the time. You don't happen to have any of those tapes, and, still, do you? No. And there were certain stations that that would give you a better lead in or a better little break yes. after they played the song. Yeah. And you knew they were going to be better. Like I wish that they had. I kind of I hate I hate the fact they do this, but I, so I used to you know as we all know I used to work night shift, mm-hmm. and the one radio station we would listen to was actually pretty good. It was the River Rat Radio. That was the radio station I got pissed at, and kept tagging them on Facebook whenever they would do it. They would cut off the end of uh, Purple Rain, Purple Rain yeah. the like the last you know the best parts of the song, right? The 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 three and a half minute lead out, and I got pissed at them. Mm-hmm. But I found out that the reason they do that is that everything is recorded. It's a it, it, Dano is the one who taught me this. He goes after like ten o'clock at night. Those those guys go home. That thing is pre-programmed through uh-huh. a computer, and they just switch it over, and it's controlled. They pay a monthly subscription just like we do for Spotify or Apple Music. Uh-huh. They have a monthly subscription where okay. they this is what their programming is overnight, and it's just programmed to lead in and lead out at a certain time, and every time, 
it plays a song. It's the limit is gonna be like three minutes, forty minutes, three minutes, forty five seconds or something. Okay. So is this was it, if was I was this the river? Was this down there by the river? No, no, no. They, you could just get it. It is broadcast out of Havasu, I okay, think. Havasu or Needles. That's what I'm talking about. But yeah. but you can get it up in Kingman. Okay. Um, and uh, once I found that out, me and my friend Sandy, who's who's about your age, uh-huh. she, I think she's I think she's actually a little older. Uh-huh. We were talking about recording tapes on the radio, and I said, you know. As much as I don't like, you know, I don't like the fact that there's no DJ overnight. Uh-huh. This would be this type of format, where you know that it's four songs of a commercial, three songs of a commercial, five songs of a commercial, and then it repeats every uh-huh. hour. Uh-huh. This would be so much easier to record off the radio, and you would never get a DJ. Right. You'd never hear yeah. a D. You'd hear the DJ. You want to like, you're like, oh, this is the next song from Janet Jackson's album, da da da, and then like you hit record, you get to either miss the pr- yep. first part of the song, yep. or you catch the tail end of the DJ talking, and you had this shit ass mixtape yep. because it had that. You wanted to, the key was to get rid of that shit. All right, let me ask you another question, or okay. let me ask you a question. Did you go to now? This is the the tight the tape brand. Now were you the two big ones? If you remember, Maxwell. Were, and there, TDK, TDK. I was. A, we were a TDK family. I was Maxwell, and I don't Ma- Maxwell. Ma- I don't Max. know why we Max Maxwell Maxwell. Jesus yeah. Christ, Maxwell. I don't know why we're a TDK family. I just know that that was all the ta- the tapes we always got. This this is almost like an Apple or a fucking uh, yeah. Other fa- My roommate, whose father flew for Delta, also he was TDK. So we'd say, "Oh, what music did you bring?" You know, TDK have a big tape box of all your shit. Oh yeah, and he goes all TDK, and I went. Oh, oh. mine was all Maxwell. See, my stepdad and we, was was. And we, we would just argue about this all the time, you know, which was better. Which, and and <laughs> I, if I remember correctly, TDK was was was. Uh, I th- I think there were eventually it it came out, you know, decades later that they ended up. It was it the sound quality wasn't quite as good but you couldn't tell the difference unless you were a sound engineer yeah i don't remember but tdk which lasted was... longer because the tdk tapes that my stepdad made in the 70s will still play mm-hmm. um because he still has a bunch of tapes. he's in he's the influence on our family when it came to who what brand you bought right because i remember the majority of the tapes in his big like four or five big tape cases they were all tdk almost all of them but he started recording stuff when in the because let's see he was uh Graduated in 77, I think, 78, something like that from high school. And he was in Drum and Bugle Corps, and he would record their shows and listen to it as playback to, you know, with Drum and Bugle Corps, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's like it's like marching band on steroids. Yes. I know we hate using that term, but it re- literally had oh, dudes yeah. that probably juiced up because it was all brass. They would march 200 people on the field, and it was deafening in a stadium when they played. Yes. But he would record uh, from the sidelines in various spots around – and and would replay the tapes back for his section to improve, you know, hey, the the uh, the the double bass, uh, you know, bugles sound terrible. You guys were out of time here, or you're off key. You need to watch your tuning. Do this. He had, the, but he still has all those recordings. But he also would dub tapes from from people, right? Uh, from their you know different bands and whatnot, and had a whole bunch of different recordings from various concerts when he would sneak a a microphone and and a a, a, a tape recorder in his pocket uh-huh. so he's got a bunch of live concerts you know cool. that he recorded too which is cool like he's got a a recording of a handful of uh uh, uh i think he's got f- he, i don't know, I have to ask when i see him tomorrow actually uh he used to have three tapes of nebworth 1980 the nebworth festival in england wow yeah and they like he was able to jack into the sound system there and record 
somehow. I, they, That's it, fucking they, badass. Europe has different laws when it comes to recording live live shit. Yeah. Like they, I think they they you can just record there. In the states, it's a little different unless the band let you do it. Like the Grateful Dead was famous for kind of pioneering that and having a whole section for people to set up professional microphones to record them live. Wow. Um, there's a handful of bands that still let you do that. Uh, but anyway, uh, so he's got all those recordings, and I I, I have still a case at my mom's house in Ohio of probably eight or ten tapes that are all mixtapes from the 90s that I made mm-hmm. off of recording off the radio. Or I dubbed someone else's tape. But I, I wasn't a big tape person mm-hmm. for very long because I was a, I worked you know enough to, like, little jobs here and there and saved up allowance money and birthday money and had CD players. And the CD was magic when it came out because in a, really? car, in a car, you could just go right to the track you wanted to. And it yeah. But do you remember the handful of years there where it was like super high tech where you had the tape decks that would do that? Yes. Because they could sense the gap. Sense yep. And I, I don't think I ever had one of those. My dad had one. And my dad had a, like a brand new, I think it was 90, it was like a 93 S10. Mm-hmm. And I remember he drove it back to Ohio for some reason to hang out with me for like two or three weeks. And I thought that was just black fucking magic. Like, this is not... Could you guys leave like, your tapes here in the... Of course, when you lived here, were you... Were the tapes or CDs here in the desert when you were growing by the up? Time I, by the time I moved here, I was 16, and I was pretty was much all, all, CDs. all CD. But yeah. still, it gets hot enough in a fucking car here where you have to protect your CDs or your tapes from... I never had a problem. Warping it, never I, had a... No, I had... Did, did you keep it... Was it in the shade somewhere, though, in your vehicle? So I, I had... Yeah, I had one of those visor things where you'd fit, like, 10 CDs yeah. in. You know, not in the case, obviously. Yeah. And the CD, I would swap those out. I had like a big case because I didn't want I didn't want all my CDs to be stolen. Mm-hmm. So in my truck, I had uh, all I had like the ten CDs that fit in that sleeve, and the rest of my CDs in the you know in the house. If I was going away like camping for the weekend, or if I was going to be whatever mm-hmm. out of town or something, not out of town, like to Laughlin or to the lake or sure. something. I would take more CDs with me because I wasn't going to be leaving my vehicle behind. Mm-hmm. And but I had a giant book that had probably I don't know a hundred. Yeah, or more, and then later on, uh, I was probably twenty-one or so. My dad, I was living with my dad, and he had bought. And then subsequently, when he moved out about six months later, he gave me his computer. But he had bought a CD burner. Nice. And I mean, it was it was dog ass slow. I mean, mm-hmm. it was. I think it was an eight X, which yeah. they went up to like sixty four X. Like, yeah, yeah. But it would take fuck. It would take so long to burn a CD, but it was worth it. It was yep. cool because that was like the new mixtape Yep. and digital quality, you know. Oh, and, yeah. and then, the, so then the sky was a the limit. Then I had to buy like another big ass four CDs per, you know, per, per well, actually eight CDs per page. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had, I think I, I think I probably topped out at like 250, 200, 250 CDs. I don't know how many I had. I, I had a, a lot. And uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy, but it wasn't as fun going to the record store. They, they, they tried to make it as funny. They had a big, tall box and yes, stuff. Yes, I do but remember But it still wasn't as cool as the album. But the technology was so fucking cool. If you're if you're an audiophile, which I was kind of raised by audiophiles. I yeah. mean, even my grandfather was was a big audiophile. He he preferred um, he preferred eight tracks to cassette tapes, which they were a better format. Mm-hmm. You couldn't fit as much on them, but it but it was a better format. And you could bounce around and, those. You, yep. know, you could click around on those. Yeah, much it faster. Better than uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I remember us. In fact, I think I'll have to ask my mom tomorrow. I think they still have the CD, a Pioneer CD player that was gigantic that had to have been around $2,000. They bought that in about 87, 86 or 87. That's a pretty good chunk of investment for that. No shit. I mean, I, I, it's been a long, it was probably 15 years ago. So 15 years ago would have been about what? 2008. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So I remember being back in Ohio, maybe even longer ago than that. I was able to play a burned CD. Remember those were notoriously difficult. Oh, yeah. Sometimes your CD player wouldn't play them. Yep, yep. They even sucked. even it wasn't an MP3. It was converted to wave back to where it originally came from. Mm-hmm. But it would. They were finicky. Some CD players wouldn't play them. Yep. That old ass CD player would play it. It had no problem playing it. Guess what group I listened to mostly on eight? Not mostly, heavily listened to eight track driving around and. Texas fog hat in a ra- yep in yep. a ranchero I just do a fog Ford hat. ranchero with a buddy of mine <laughs> fog hat <laughs> F- wild cherry fog oh, hat wow <laughs> oh my god that doesn't oh, surprise great it doesn't surprise me that that it was fog hat and I'm also not shocked that I knew that I'm kind of <laughs> proud that I knew that I kind of like fog hat they're a good band. <laughs> I'll go see Fog. Are no, they still around? N- no one says that. That no one could ever shit on Fog Hat. Yeah, it's just the mental association with the Jim Carrey character that he played <laughs> on the MTV Music Awards or it's whatever the it was. Funniest fucking thing ever. Yeah, they played that about. Jim Morrison kind of looking guy, and he yeah. just stayed in character the whole time. He stayed in character in the after party. Yes, after parties he went there. And he was, which would be fun if you're him. He had a fucking blast doing that shit. Man. Oh yeah, he probably loved being whoever fucking character he was. He takes playing dress up to like the nth degree with his and fucking I... sunglasses and his in his wa- perm wavy fucking long ass hair. <laughs> it's truly a f- just and a his f- bell bottom low cut. Oh fucking my jeans. god! The, yeah, with the oh <laughs> god, that's something I'm really glad. Like I, I'm glad I got to see the resurgence of like the hippie kind of look and hippie vibe. We had the big plastic the combs 90s. in our rear pocket. You remember the big plastic combs? Oh yeah. Were they still, uh, was that a whole held uh, over when that, you were? A I don't kid think so. No. We had these big combs in our, you know, the big, pl- not the regular, you know, fifties comb that you would. No, you know, not the, the no with the, a handle the on gigantic it. combs. Oh my no. god! Everybody had one of those in their back pocket. That that was not a thing by the time I got yeah. to that age. Oh, that was everybody. Everybody now, had one of these combs. I can remember being about a freshman in high school when it became cool because I, I, you know, grew up with a not a predominantly black community, but they're probably forty percent black, and that was when dudes were starting to grow afros out. Yep. Now you would grow your hair so out and then have and pick, they had picks. Everybody had yep. picks, including me, mm-hmm. towards the late nineties. Um. Uh, the uh, it was. I grew my hair out right when I first moved out here. I, I don't think I got a haircut for like almost a year. And um, I have really had, I still have curly hair. I just don't have as much of it. And ended up turning it into an afro. And it's like one of my black friends, like his si- little sister had a bedazzling kit. And she bedazzled a pick, a black pick <laughs> with red jewels on it with a J, like an uppercase <laughs> J. And I used to pick my hair out and walk around with a Pick oh, stuck God. in my hair, yeah. With super wide belts. Oh, I didn't. Big leather belt. Oh, my God, I, I didn't have that. Yeah. Didn't have that. So it says Foghat is, they're apparently still around. They're playing in Vegas anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. They're probably playing in Laughlin. They've got to look, I know how old I am. They've got to be in their 80s by now. Uh, Early 80s. I mean, they started 70s. in 71, so. Okay, they're in their 70s then. Did we talk about this already? Foghat, like the bass player, he was one of the first guys to slap bass. Isn't that no, true? No, he wasn't the first. No, no. Okay. Am I fully I, fucking I, this I, up? I have to explain this every time to you. I, I know. Swear. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Am I fucking this up? Larry Graham from War, 
and not war jesus and sly and the family stone mm-hmm. and uh larry graham the, the graham central station was mm-hmm. like his him and his brother's band prior to that him and his brother had their own band that they started they didn't have a drummer so Larry, this, yes. Larry Graham did the percussive beats to keep beat, but he also played bass at the same necessity. time. Out of necessity. Out of necessity, right? Several years later, Foghat playing Slow Ride, mm-hmm. that was the first instance of like a, a rock band on the radio to wider audiences that were predominantly white mm-hmm. where people heard slap bass. Mm-hmm. So that was like, it, would, it had been done several years before, but I mean- Fucking slow ride came out like 72, 73. Yeah, it like was it early. Was, it wasn't that. It was maybe seven or eight years before when Larry Graham basically invented it. So, yes, it was one of the. It was, it, it was brought to the consciousness of people going, what in the fuck is that sound? Right. Whereas people that had been listening to early funk and early already soul knew already yeah. knew that that was just slap bass, that yeah. that was a thing. But not many people were doing it. Not that many people do it now in their in their every everyday jam. I don't know how to describe to you how popular slow ride was I, in the fucking 70s. I cannot just I cannot tell you. You, you are not the only one to tell me like to, to say this. My stepfather. I remember watching Dazed and Confused with him about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that song, it just opens up with Slow Ride. And, he, and I was like, Tom, you need to watch this, this movie. He goes, I've heard of this movie. I said, Tom, this is about the summer of 1976, and it's a, bunch, a group of people going into their senior year. And he just kind of perked up. He goes, Jesus, that was, that was him. Mm-hmm. And, and let, you tell me if they captured it. Because Richard Linkletter is the director that he wrote it, you know, mm-hmm. produced it, directed it. And he's from Texas, which is where... He's from Austin, which is where that takes that that movie takes place, uh-huh. and I mean, f- he laughed so fucking hard throughout the whole movie. And afterwards, I said, "What do you think?" He goes, "It was perfect. It was spot on. <laughs> the clothes, the language, the slang, the music." And he and I remember him telling me, he "Goes, dude, you have no idea how fucking big Fog Hat was for like a year." Oh yeah, they, it, they it was were kind un- of short lived, but it was huge, untouchable. He's like, they were bigger than the Stones. They were bigger than they were bigger than anybody. Yeah, because everybody there was a song on that first album that everybody could love, and and I love Terraplane Blues. That was on one of their. It's called that, that's yeah, a, that's which a is an old song. That's yeah, a, from Robert but, Johnson. But man. they but they really did it. Yeah. So I gotta I gotta figure out if 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 they're like still still touring. I want to I have to. So I'm trying to figure out what group in the last say 30 years with what song would have been as big as Slow Ride, like meteoric rise for that group and song together. You know I I I'm trying to I'm not saying, I'm not gonna say there where there's no one's even come close to. I have no idea. Where I, it just, I, I, I it, have to think about it. It dropped it was, and it blew everyone's mind. Where it was just insane. It was on every fucking radio. When somebody had a radio and you're in, you're in traffic and they had it on and you go, hey, man, what station? You're trying to listen what station it is, you know, because it's slow rides playing, you know, that kind of shit. Honestly, and I'd have to, and I know this is good, this is going to date me a bit, but it's, uh, I, I would say probably something from Linkin Park. Because when they. Yeah, and I, I only have personal experience of this. This is like ingrained in my memory. So, but there were fewer. The problem was there were fewer things when I was growing up. There was when you were. I mean, it was it was just what I'm saying is, Lincoln Park may have been very, very. They were very popular. You know, I understand that. But, but I just well, I don't know. I'm, so I'm trying to compare. It. Hear me out on this. So, okay. uh, when they released Hybrid Theory in like August of 2000, mm-hmm. they were playing shows anywhere from a thousand to maybe fifteen hundred seats. Right, that mm-hmm. weren't even selling out. By the time I saw them, and like late 2000 or early 2001, I can't remember if it was December or January, but right w- within six months, mm-hmm. f- within 
five months. Uh, paper cut and um, I think it was paper cut. Yeah, became such a big hit that they were selling out every single show because they were they were so huge. But in between them booking the beginning of the tour and the end of the tour, the second leg of the U.S. tour, they started playing fifteen to thirty thousand seat arenas. Wow, that was fucking. Fast. I saw them at Mesa Amphitheater. That's like twelve hundred people. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. they just shot the fuck up, and then in between there, they were on MTV a bunch of times. They were it was people were like, "Who the fuck are these guys? Where the hell did they come from?" Because it it they they everybody could listen to them again. Kind of mm-hmm. what my stepdad said about Fog Hat, and it sounds like you echoed the same thing, mm-hmm. is that uh, they had the hip hop kids because there was hip hop elements. They had a DJ in the band, they had a guy that rapped, but then they had like the alternative kind of metal guys that were like, "This singer is incredible. He can sing, but he also has a growl to his voice, and the lyrics are great." But then you had like their music videos that they would put out had like a weird anime element to it. So you had the fucking nerd crowd that were into Pokemon that, cards and yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh and anime and stuff. They're like, it's for fucking everybody. Mm-hmm. And then they started doing collaborations where they had fuck man, Dr. Dre went on stage and rapped a few bars of a, <laughs> a couple uh, um, songs with uh, Lincoln Park in like fucking uh, like the L.A. Coliseum or some shit. And it was like maybe a month after I saw him in the like in Mesa amphitheater, not at Glendale arena, but a right. little baby amphitheater. Yeah. So they had a huge meteoric rise like that. Just out of, just out of nowhere. There was no, they put out their first album, first single, just slammed to the fucking sky and right. just like, Holy shit. And they were everywhere for probably five years. I was going to say, fuck, it didn't last that long. They had, they had a few albums, but they probably had more than that. Yeah. But they, but they was just, you know, they, they lost, but that was, the, yeah. but that they, the, very few bands can overcome that sophomore slump, and that's yeah. you spend your whole. Uh, like, what fuck? I was just watching a movie where they quote they said that, and I, I think it's from Rolling Stone. You spend uh, spend your whole life writing your first album, and the record company gives you six months to write the second album, <laughs> which is why the second album is really hard to fucking do. Yeah. Fuck the Chili Peppers, you know, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, which mm-hmm. put them on the in the mainstream. I remember watching uh, at like early, early Beavis and Butthead, like maybe 1990, 91 before Blood Sugar Sex Magic became big, where they played stuff off of Mother's Milk. That's where you got that uh, uh, the Stevie Wonder cover that they did. Not a big hit. But Blood Sugar Sex Magic, that was their fourth album. Right. And the first three, or uh, second and third albums, you know who produced it? George fucking Clinton. Wow. So, like... Jesus. They had all the makings to be good, but they yeah. but then they finally got then Blood Sugar Sex Magic, but they had already had they had lost a guitarist. That John Frusciante had been in and out of drug rehab. So they had all the struggle, which is why every fucking album after that from the Chili Peppers has always been good because it wasn't their sophomore album. It mm-hmm. was their fourth album. Wow. And and that sucks about Foghat because they're they're a good band. I well, wouldn't mind seeing them live. Who knows Even, if they had like because nursing home pe- people just <laughs> people, <laughs> people just may have moved on though. I mean, maybe they had some good albums, but they just never you know. Well, disco started to take hold oh, too. Oh, that's exactly that is exactly what happened. Disco killed Foghat. Okay, <laughs> that's let's, a good name for a group. Disco. Ki- let's not hate on disco too much because <laughs> there's some really racist undertones to the whole hating on disco thing. You know, did you, I'm not. I know you're not. Yeah, but also like. 
in talking with again with my my stepdad and my dad, like they both hate. They're they're from that generation. They just fucking hate it. What, what was just, that big event of the baseball game when some disco big, sucks thing where they when they, they blew up all that shit? And yeah, people got hurt because they. Yeah, was it was it uh, Wrigley Field? I th- it was something like that. It was that. Wrigley or is Comiskey Park? I think, th- or I can't remember. And it remember. was a big. Everybody bought it was their like death to everybody disco brought day. their disco albums in and they blew them the fuck up in the middle of the ball field. <laughs> well, that's and that's the thing about about that is that and, and this is something that I was enlightened to by again, Mr. Green, uh, is the roots of that hatred of disco were kind of those flames were fanned by some DJs that were pissed about the formats changing because they like listening to rock music, mm-hmm. but the like the kind of the undertone, you know, this the, is the, black. Un, the undertone is that it was a black thing, it was a brown thing, it was a gay thing, it was mm-hmm. a drug thing, it was a. Mm-hmm. Uh, they try to paint it as like an upper middle class kind of thing, which is not true at all. Like discos, mm-hmm. like discos in the in the bigger cities. Oh yeah, that's where lower middle class people would go because this is urban shitty <sighs> fucking areas. And right. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. And 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 rock and roll. Even though we all know the roots of rock and roll are not in the big fucking cities, nope. it's the slaves out in the fields. Mississippi. Yes. And uh, but there was the racial kind of racist like undertones to the hatred of disco. Mm-hmm. But then the f- flames were really fanned by DJs that probably with no Ill, Ill intent, they were just pissed off that one day they were playing Fog Hat, <laughs> and then the next day they're having to play fucking Gladys Knight or or Gloria Gaynor, and they hated that. Right, and it pissed them off. Yeah, and I get it, I, I understand it, but like you know, that's cultural shifts. And the happen. Bee Gees, my God, that was another big Ugh, one. Then. See, I still am not a just, Bee Gees. Fan. They were, they were, you know, Saturday Night Fever. Jesus Christ. This was a crazy time. I couldn't do it. I, uh, I can't. I don't. I don't. I do not like the Bee. I'm. I'm a disco I fan. I have a bunch of disco records. I, I get it. I, I wasn't. Just, a Bee, I never bought any BGS. I never got into it. But they were. You couldn't avoid it, Joe. You could not avoid it. It was like air. You, yeah, it was you like couldn't avoid air. air. The BGS were playing <laughs> out there. They were just there. <laughs> uh, do you want to take a road trip to, to see Falkat? <laughs> January 20th in Indio, California. Fog hat? Yeah, at Fantasy Springs Resort and Casino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's oh, that, my God. Oh, no, 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 right. no. Nope. Oh, they're closer. No. Oh, even closer. Like down to with, by the river with more, closer? With more planning. Oh, okay. Playing at the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas, February 9th. <laughs> fog hat. This year, February the fog 9th. Hats. Fog hat tickets are... They'll pay you three dollars to go there. <laughs> if you bring some, if you bring a case of insure, you can get in. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want panties or bras thrown on stage anymore. They want um, supplements, depends, and 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 arthritis medicine, <laughs> just ibuprofen eight hundreds. <laughs> if you bring a a can of insure to get in, I love that. It's like a fucking canned food drive for the elderly. <laughs> Holy shit! I can't believe they're playing. I, I I'm so shocked. I can't believe it, and it's coming. It's coming up soon. Oh God. So, all right. What day of the week the, is that? I don't know, man. You gotta. I don't have a calendar open right now. Uh, you said February eighth. February ninth. Ninth. February ninth at eight o'clock. Are you sure it's not at four p.m.? I, I know. I was gonna say there's <laughs> the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the most expensive tickets are $140. I wonder what those are. Probably Gold. backstage passes. It's fr- it's like, yeah, backstage passes. You get to rub liniment on their knees and their backs. That's Friday. It's on a Friday, Joe. Golden Circle Seating, Section AL, Row C. 
So it looks like the, f the this is an actual venue venue. I thought maybe it was going to be like a very small venue, but apparently it's like like a, a side room at a casino that was usually would right. store yeah something else. Like they're playing in a parking lot. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe that. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, the cheapest tickets are fifty bucks, and it looks like an amphitheater style. Because like the 40, like I would not have to go to the floor seating or up in the first. Oh, few you don't rows. you don't want to see all the wrinkles. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I would go there to see Terraplane Blues. If they don't play that, I would start shooting people. Yeah. <laughs> I would say email the guys and see if they still play that, but they, those guys don't have computers. <laughs> let's uh, take a break. All right, yeah, let's take a break, folks. We'll be, we'll be right back with more Fogheads. <laughs>
we are back. Uh, we didn't listen to any Fog Hat, but you just did. I hope your ears. And we found out that they're playing in Vegas, February ninth. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> and it's not that small of a venue. And the only original member in the band is the drummer. Is the drummer, and that's why I'm not going to go. I, I would consider it. If out of were, all the all the powerhouse, three out of four, whatever. If at least the original singer, you know, right? Maybe. I, although I saw Queen and Paul Rogers, and that was incredible. Because Paul Rogers is a hell of a vocalist. He's no Freddie Mercury, and, and but he's pretty fucking electric. Like, dude was in some heavy-duty live bands like Free and uh, Bad Company. And so I saw Queen and Paul Rogers, and I, ca- I saw Qu- uh, Queen years later. Queen, and they still kind of tour with him, is uh, an Adam Lambert. Oh, Remember yeah, that yeah, guy yeah. Oh, from, yeah. uh, sure. from American Idol? Yeah. He was phenomenal. I heard that he was good. Yeah. But then they also brought this is at a this was downtown Las Vegas. I mean it was it was it, it was cheap. It was like twenty five dollars. It was twenty five dollars to see Brian fucking May and Roger Taylor of mm-hmm. Queen. Wow. Like I was like thirty feet from Brian May. That just blew my hair back. Uh but Adam Lambert really just killed it. But who really, really killed it was um gosh, what is his name? He's in a band. Some of you older emo kids that listen to this uh, this podcast will remember The Format. That's a Phoenix band that only had a couple minor regional hits, but two of the people in The Format went on to f- form the band called Fun, which had some hits back in 2012 to like 2016. Uh-huh. Nate Roos. Nate Roos is the okay. lead singer of the band Fun. Higher register kind of like singer like Freddie Mercury or um, okay. um, and, and uh, Adam Lambert. But he did just hopped up on stage and sang with them and just blew everybody away because I knew he was a great vocalist. I'd seen him play live in a couple different bands. I had no idea how much he could do a Freddie Mercury impersonation Mm -hmm. and just, he even did the, like, loosened up the mic stand and pulled the top of the mic stand out and was jumping around on stage like Freddie. Like, you could tell that that guy, when he he was- some fake bad teeth, too. Did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they're all that, uh, Freddie didn't have bad teeth. He had- Lots and big teeth. They were they let's were out it, there. Let's they they out there uh, out there. They're very out there. Yeah. Um. And uh, anyway, uh, you were saying you saw Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody, right? Yes. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. It was, it was, I, it was seen the Elton John. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. We talked about that. We we, we got to watch that. We did because because I, I it, we did talk about that, and I do need to watch that. I I need to uh, uh I need to. Just sit down and watch it. I don't know why I didn't. So, so speaking of uh, Vegas, it, we learned that uh, through Mr. Green, who was here on our yeah. show not long ago, he texted both of us and said, hey, Dave Attell is going to be in uh, Vegas coming up next month. And I thought before- I, I loved it. We all love, I, both, all three of us love Dave Attell. A hundred percent. And he's, yeah. he is not, uh, like he had that show, was it Insomniac? Is that what it was called? Yeah. He's a comedian, Where folks, by the way, he's, if you don't know. And he's kind of a comedian's comedian. Yeah. Like- it it takes a special non comedian kind of person to really like his comedy because it's it's terse and I think he still smokes cigarettes on stage mm-hmm. like he's just kind of he's really old school. But he, if you ask people like Joe Rogan, his favorite comic that's still alive was David Tell is David Tell. He kind of reminds like, you a little bit of, of, of what's his face down there in uh, in, uh, in 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 Bisbee. He kind of reminds me a little bit of yeah in uh, a way Doug Stanhope kind of. Yeah. In a way, yeah, a little bit. Where he just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, right. He doesn't care. He knows that he's making a good living. He's mm-hmm. made his mark. He did, I think he did five or six seasons of that show, Insomniac, which was great because it was the premise of the show, folks, if you've never seen it, is after he's done doing, like, you'd have, like, the last, like, two or three minutes 
the beginning of the show would be the last two or three minutes of his stand-up and show would, in whatever city. And he would do this. It wasn't like it was a, a, a written show. It wasn't. It was very much yeah. like a reality show. He would be like show. playing in Cleveland or Philadelphia or someplace. Or my favorite episode was uh, uh, New Orleans. Right. Where he went oh, out yeah. shooting the <laughs> sh- those fucking weird river rat looking things right. that I, I I can't remember what they're called. There, there's a uh, weird name. Uh, 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 Inuit. No. You don't want to shoot the Wow. Wow. <laughs> no. No, where's the edit button? It kind of sounds like Inuit. It kind of does. Maybe, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, uh, but so the the beginning of the show, the opening of the half hour or maybe an hour long show, the last couple minutes, last couple minutes of his stand up set. And then it's over, and then they show him outside the club afterward, and then he just has a camera crew follow him it's around like a, and keeps yeah, drinking. Can, yeah, and he just go he bar hops. Yeah, he just fucking bar and hops gets and into talks adventures. To all these, yeah, and it's all night until sunup, right, Joe? Is that what? It, yeah, usually he, he's out yeah. until sunup, and he does it all over the place. Yeah, uh, river rat things. They're like uh, like rat thing. Yeah, in New Orleans. Nutria. Inuit, see? It's not Inuit, it's Nutria. <laughs> Nutria. So they are they're like they're like smaller Big fucking Yeah, like they're like groundhog they're they're smaller they're bigger than prairie dogs and they're smaller than like a giant prairie dog. Yeah, they're like not prairie dog, like giant a big, uh, like a big groundhog. Rat. Yeah, they're really fucking nasty and they encourage people to shoot them because they're an invasive species. Yeah. So because they burrow holes in the uh um levees. Can you eat them? No. I mean, you could. You can eat anything once. You can eat anything, yeah. You weirdo. Uh, but I'm yeah. That'd be like, a good protein source. I don't know. Just thinking. Anyway. <laughs> uh, there's so much better food in New Orleans, folks. Don't eat the, <laughs> don't eat the Nutria. <laughs> for real. Get yourself a fucking We're po' going to New Orleans for some Nutria. That's what I want. It's just deep fried river rat. Jambalaya Nutria. Anyway, but David Tellis, he's fucking hilarious and he's brilliant. And he's playing at a club. When he first sent me that, I just saw like the little preview and the text message. That, I was like, like David, yes, tell today or yesterday? Did he? Send I think it was yesterday. Us. Okay. And he's like, it, it, I'm thinking uh, in my head, I'm like, yeah, this is gonna be out of my price range. It's gonna be 150 dollars a ticket. It's 35 dollars a ticket. 35 stinking dollars and in like a how big's the venue? It's 300 seats. That's what I found. It's a 300 yeah. seat venue, and it's in Town Square, like like that mall that's there, which is great because there's there's good there's bars and there's restaurants and whatnot around there. Three days in the next month, and so all of us are big fans. Like thirty five bucks, fuck yeah! I could I could come up with thirty five. Let's bucks. just go there. Yeah, I'll sell my body for thirty five. Watch bucks. David that's Tell. Fine. Yeah, I and he's oh god, he's and then so he said, funny. Well, let's what's the place called? What's the venue? Wise guys. And you start so let's look that up. See who else was playing there. Yeah, Holly Shore. Yeah, it was all like thirty dollars. All these shows. Every, yeah, the the cheap the the most expensive one was thirty five dollars. A handful of shows were all thirty five dollars. And then like, which is funny is like, uh, um, Donnell Rawlings is on there, and like he's kind of a bigger name. He was yeah. on Chappelle Show every season of Chappelle Show. Right. He was Ashy Larry. That's Donnell Rawlings. If okay. you remember Ashy Larry. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, at, like he. And the guy that goes, I'm rich, biatch, like that guy, that's Donnell mm-hmm. Rawlings. <laughs> He's It's $30 to see him. Mm-hmm. But Pauly Shore is playing like the week before or two weeks before uh, David Tell. I'm like, I'd go see Pauly Shore. I, I bet yeah. you some cool play, people like that are going to keep throughout the year are going to show up there at this, this I hope so. I'm going to keep keep tabs like on I'm, it. It doesn't usually cost more than that. It's a small venue. It's gonna be, you're going to be no more than probably 40 feet, 50 feet away from it. Yeah. You I'd kind of like so. to meet David Tell. I think we'd be kind of cool. That'd be really cool. That's a, that I do. I miss that show. God, that show is great. And what was the other thing? He was also on, uh, was the, were these shows on MTV or Comedy Central? They would do 
like the comedians would get together and have like political discussions, kind of or something. Uh, he, what the hell was that thing? Well, he was uh, definitely on um, Bill Maher's show back in the day, politically incorrect. Right, a bunch. But there was another, I think, another show that he and uh, oh, I can't think of this cast of characters. It was like four or five comedians would be sitting around talking about shit. Um, kind of remind me of that one show you were telling me about. Which other comedians are sitting around just bullshit. Oh, the Green Room with Paul yeah. Provenza, which it, he's it, he's on that, too. Oh, but. yeah, there you go. So it kind of reminded me of that. He was on Bumping Mics with Jeff Ross. That's that was, right. Is, that, that's, on, on, that that's, a, that's on Netflix, and that's a brilliant show. I'm trying to... I know... Yeah, it was Insomniac, 2001 to 2004. Um, But he's just a working comedian. That's just... that's And he's been doing it for years. Oh, and he yes. was on. He, he was on twenty episodes of Saturday Night Live, so he was on there for a season. I forgot about that. But uh, yeah, David Tell, man, like, uh, and I, I like that there's that venue there for mid-level comedians that is like somewhat, you know, it's affordable. Yes, it's very affordable, I, I, especially for Vegas. I mean, shows used to be cheap out there, right? They used to be. They used to be everything used to be cheaper in Vegas. Because it was all subsidized by the gambling. I mean, planes planes were cheap. Food was dirt cheap. Yeah, it was just fucking che- hotels were cheap. Everything, right? And then now it's uh, they figured out they could charge more because it's you know they're doing more. So um, this would be like not at a you know, where is the place? It's in there. It's near where the uh, he sits in the uh, what's the fucking place? Town Square. Town. Thank you. Yeah, it's in the Town Square, folks. Like if there there's a. Texas Day Brazil, there's a, there's actually a really good restaurant there. I went there a couple months back, three months ago. Yard House? Yeah, there's Yard House there. Got my mom snockered and dumped her on a plane there at the Yard House a couple Apple times. Apple Store. There is an <laughs> Apple Store that you've been to. It's a to. movie theater. What's the, what's the place that has the giant fucking portions? They have the biggest piece of chocolate cake that is you can humanly eat. Claim Jumper. They have a Claim Jumper there, too, I oh, think. Oh, is there a Claim Jumper? Yeah. There used to be one on the way up to Vegas. I remember that. You could, you could see yeah. it on the freestanding building. Um, but anyway, uh, there's a guitar center there too, which I like to go to every okay. time I go up there. Uh, but anyway, yes, you kind of a fun but evening. Think, go up there, yeah, yeah. So and uh, they have open mic nights too. If we ever wanted to go up there and make just, a fool of ourselves. just fucking bomb, I'm not gonna make a fool of myself. Tuesdays, oh, that's at the Arch. Oh yeah, there's two locations for that place. We could go way. up there and try our 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 poetry recession with the bagpipe, bagpipe mix. Oh my god. <laughs> It might go viral. It might go. It might be like a fucking crazy thing. It could. I mean, look look at what Tenacious D did. Yeah, dirty songs mm-hmm. done really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, just and, and which part of this are we going to be doing well? <laughs> I'll do the poetry well. <laughs> okay, and nobody will know if you're doing well on the on as the bagpipes. My, as my Germans the, would say. Yeah, what the yeah. Ger- your German friends say that we understand this intimate, Paul. Uh, it matters not how much one practices; it still sounds the same. That's just so fucking <laughs> very German. German, very German. <laughs> And, you know, uh, they say, who says Germans don't have a sense of humor? Right. That sounds like humor, I but I don't know that that was humor. This, this man was actually Austrian, so. Yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. They could have a sense of humor. Speaking of, they used to. <laughs> have you ever heard the story about Robin Williams on the talk show? I don't know In about Germany? This. No. Oh, my God. In the, I want to say early 90s? Did he really go into the German? Oh, my God. Like he let loose? So I remember Robin Williams talking about this on stand-up. But it, this was an interview. I don't remember what podcast that the, these guys were talking about this, but I remember, and I in, interspersed in the video, they showed his 
stand-up that he was doing, and then they showed a clip of the talk show. Uh, but on on live German TV, he was being interviewed because he was doing like a, I think it was a promo tour for some movie mm-hmm. uh, in the 90s. They asked him, uh, yes, uh, Mr. Williams, thank you so much for being here. Uh, was wondering, uh, do, you, uh, do you ever do stand-up comedy in Germany? And do you feel like everyone else that the Germans uh, are not funny? Why? Why is that? Do you think? Why do you think the Germans have no sense of humor? Please to me precisely why you think is he to be very German. And he just answered, "Was like, did you ever think that maybe it's because you guys killed off all the funny ones?" <laughs> they cut to commercial instantly. Come back a couple minutes later, and there's no Robin Williams. There's just another. They brought another guest out, and I am fucking dying. I I I remember. <laughs> watching a stand-up you'd probably remember the special if i just described you what he's wearing because it's like mm-hmm. early 90s oversized tucked in very floral print kind of shirt yes into like the remember the big pleated kind of baggy mm-hmm. khaki type pants yeah that's mm-hmm. the special where he's where he robin williams is talking about that and he's like i was just in germany a few weeks ago and i wonder if he was paid for that of- 27 seconds Probably, <laughs> probably not. In fact, he may have had to pay money for that because you're not <laughs> supposed to reference shit like that in Germany. Yes, no, you're not. Oh God, yeah. I. But I'm thinking, Jesus. He said, he said the quiet thing out loud. Yeah, but he's. I mean, he's not wrong. It's not fun. They do again. They have the places like my little show. I would keep talking. We're not going to talk about that again. But <laughs> they, they just don't have comedy places. You mean with there. the vagina dentata and the uh, giant toothbrush? Oh God, I wonder if it had a name like vagina. Vagina. Dentata. Vagina dentata is a. That's a. That's a. That's a Freudian term. Oh yes, well that's what happens. It's like teeth. That's a, there's men, literally men that are afraid of putting their penis into oh, a because vagina be a because there are there are it? teeth inside of it. Yeah. Okay. There's also a really terrible bee. Like a Venus, like vagina flytrap. Yes. <laughs> sure. Or uh, some other weird deep ocean creature that has this like weird. A, oh, like a sarlacc. You know what a sarlacc is? Is it one of those weird, bizarre things that are? It is a pretty weird, bizarre thing in Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. In the very beginning, it's the pit. That's got teeth and tentacles and stuff that a few people fall in. Boba oh, Fett gets like thrown in there. They're trying to get Luke to like walk the plank off of it, off of Jabba's uh, barge. Mm-hmm. That's a Sarlacc pit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you got to be, anyway, be careful of those. You got to watch out for the Sarlacc pits. No, there, uh, about 10, 12 years ago, there's a movie that came out uh, called Teeth. And it's a, it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of a goofy, funny horror movie. And it's about a girl who's like... Decides that, you know, maybe she's time to get intimate with boys and whatnot. And uh, one boy loses a finger to her vagina dentata. She didn't know because she was very raised, kind of repressed. And uh, loses a finger. One guy loses half of his dick in the movie. She didn't know that was wrong. She didn't know that there was anything wrong down there. I mean, Mm -hmm. not that there's anything wrong with that. But it just really gets in the way of her social life. But it's a terrible B-movie slash indie horror movie, which Mm -hmm. is... Not normally something I would watch, but because I remember reading in like a really old psych textbook mm-hmm. when I was way too young to be reading something. I don't know why I was just reading. I'm like, what the? F-? It was like weird. Like it was like old disorders that have just are no longer a thing. It was like Freud. Go ahead. Sigmund Freud came up with a lot of wacky. Oh, shit he did. Yeah. That is not really accepted anymore in psychology. Mm-hmm. It's more Jungian based. Which is more rooted in fucking reality, but there's still Freudian he was a spit elements. Yeah, he really was because we're talking late 1800s, early sure. 1900s. It's like the in, in its infancy. Here's a thought. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, but he he did settle on a lot of certain tropes that young sure. young took and was like, eh, this is a little bit smarter. 
but one of them was the vagina dentata, and it was an explanation for certain phobias of men being asexual. They're not asexual. They're just afraid of the vagina because they Cause God knows what's in there. You don't know what's in there. Mm-hmm. And so, and uh, the and he came up with the the, the, um, the Latin ish kind of term <laughs> vagina dentata for the teeth. Yes. Yeah, and. He used it to explain homosexuality and all sorts of other shit. There was Speaking just like teeth and uh, movies. Did you ever watch? What was that? We talked about this <laughs> on this show. That this I can't remember the name of the actor who was in Major League. He Charlie was, Sheen. No, yes, he was in Major League. Corbin Burnson. Yes. Okay. He was. I think the dentist. Was him. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. He was in a, part one and two. <laughs> <laughs> this movie that was a late night Cinemax kind of thing. There's a ton of nudity in it too. I, I saw it not that many years ago. I, I think the first time I saw it was here in Kingman, some you know online somewhere. Oh wow! I never saw it. Okay, sure, I'll watch this. I got nothing better to do on this whatever winter rainy day it was or whatever. Oh my god! Yeah, if you folks haven't seen the dentist, just Jesus. skip it. Just keep yeah, going. don't. If you, <laughs> don't. you have a slight fear of the dentist, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't <laughs> see the dentist. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's awful. It's yeah. And then they and they're like, you know what's better than the dentist? The dentist too. Let's <laughs> let's come out with another one because Corbin Burnson is not making any more major league movies anytime no, soon. No, he's not. And those were big top movies. I fucking either. love those movies so they much. They were funny. Once a year, I'll watch Major League One and Two. I don't go far beyond past that. Yeah, no, there's, there's no reason to. I think one is the is the has to be the best, doesn't it? Isn't the one the best? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's really funny elements to the second one, but the second one. Well, the second one with uh, the whole the whole storyline of uh, um, Rick Vaughn, you know mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Sheen's character, the pitcher, yeah, uh, becoming this huge star and being riding around in limousines and has like the uh, your typical '80s trope, late '80s trope of like the high power female executive. Uh, what is she? She's his agent, who's just real snooty and keeps him away from like the cool people and like yeah. that that like. That was kind of funny and whatnot, but like it was more like the the secondary characters made the movie so much better. Mm-hmm. But the original Major League, I mean, they replaced Wesley Snipes with Omar Epps. Right. Like we're not going to notice. Yeah, just a black guy about the same size. Yeah, they're about the same size. They don't look anything alike. No, they, they are don't. not the same size. And Omar Epps is an actual fucking like played baseball in college. Like, is I, uh, I assume Wesley Snipes just wanted too much fucking money. Well, yeah, because he started to get big. Yeah, uh, and you know and. But I, love, I got other shit going on. I'm making millions over here. I love the Major League movies because the beginning of the first two are set in Tucson at mm-hmm. High Corbett Field, which yep. I've been to dozens of times where the Indians used to do spring training when they did spring training in Tucson. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's really cool to watch. Uh, and it's I'm a little nostalgic. I'm going to be really bad about it once I get back from Tucson. But I'm like, again, like tomorrow which will be monday we're recording this on sunday you guys are going to hear this in a few days but uh i'm headed down to tucson to meet up with my folks that have driven out here they're now officially retired in snowbirds so they're already in They've tucson escaped the massive cold fucking man weather. they left at the right time like yep. when the, the day that they left ohio it was on there was, it was on their it was riding on their ass it, it really they was coming here they stayed two nights in florence alabama like way up north across the river from muscle shoals mm-hmm. um and the uh, a storm was just starting to roll in a week ago, there was just wind and rain, and that was like yep. that was there. But they had like fifty mile an hour gusts, and like my stepdad was worried that it was going to blow their fucking trailer over. Mm-hmm. But as they were leaving in the morning that night, things were supposed to get nasty in northern Alabama, and now it's just getting worse, and, and they're getting pummeled right now. Mm-hmm. But they made it all the way down through. They got these are animals, dude. These aren't the normal. They're not the normal snowbirds, because I think I told you this. What they did, they got to this. Uh, 
They're supposed to stay right outside of Mobile, Alabama, which I know you're familiar with the South. Oh, you know yeah. right where Mobile is. Yep. You know where Evergreen, Alabama is? It's a little, just a, just a fucking rest, rest stop, basically. Probably not. On, I forget what. I, I've probably driven past. 65? Is that is that the interstate? There's That uh, goes down to Mobile from like up from north. From north to south, yeah. Yeah. Six, yeah. So yeah, off, yep. right off of 65, about an hour out of Mobile. I'm is, sure I've driven right through like it. Southern, uh, southern Alabama. They had registered or they read not registered uh, re- reserved a spot at this RV park. Mm-hmm. When I think RV park that has the enlist these amenities, they're going to have those things. They show up. There's no grass. It's a Loves truck stop <laughs> that has some plugins for RVs. Okay. There's no place for like they're bringing their dog with them. Uh, there's no did, place for him to go to the bathroom. Like this is a love no, it said pet a- pet area, but it was just a fenced off area of the parking <laughs> lot. So they're like, whatever. We can. We're only gonna like. It's like right. nine o'clock at night. We're only gonna be here for eight, ten, twelve hours. Whatever. And then Charge we're up our batteries. Dump the, the dawn. Dump the sewage and they just leave. Mm-hmm. The power wouldn't work. Oh shit. This fucking hillbilly, which I I shouldn't call him a hillbilly. Cause that's insulting to my family. Uh, it, like this fucking. Whatever guy in Alabama comes out, he's like, "Hey y'all," da, 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 and uh, they're like, "The power's not working." They're like, "Oh really?" And he smacks it, smacks the top of the power box, <laughs> and it starts to work, and then it trips a breaker again. <laughs> so he does this a couple more times, and my mom's like, "Not fucking having it." She's like, yeah. oh, "We're not staying here. Right. This is not happening." And uh, so what they ended up doing was, so I didn't know this. Until they told me. Recently. They told me. We got here. This was that was like Wednesday morning. I text my mom, "Hey, did you guys get to rest last night? Did uh, you know how how to go?" My mom calls me immediately. She goes, "Funny thing about that, <laughs> and I know this is gonna be some wacky ass shit because that's how my mom is." She goes, "So she told me everything about the RV park. It was a shithole and this and that and the other. So we just got pissed and said, "Fuck it, we want our money back." They refunded their money and then they just fueled up and drove all the way through the night. And I'm like, "So where <laughs> oh are you guys?" God. Cause I called, I answered the phone, and I was like, "Hey, mom, do you guys?" Uh, do you they guys went from s- Alabama to where all the way through the night. Where did they get end up? The west side of Houston. Oh God, six hundred and six miles through the night. Through the fucking night. Oh my God, sixty-five <clears throat> years old and sixty-nine years old. Right. And I'm like, you fucking animals. And my mom's like, we just decided we're gonna keep driving until it gets, you know, uh, until we get tired, and you know, once the sun comes up, kind of wakes you up. And I'm like, oh Jesus! Now they did try and pull in. This shit's funny. They tried to pull into. So they stayed the, somewhere west of Houston. Yes, and then they, they went from there uh, to uh, Arizona, Sealy, Texas. If okay. you know where that's at. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but on the east side of Houston, on I-10, they tried to pull into an RV park that had high ratings and all this other stuff on Yelp or on their Sam Goody app or whatever. Sam Goody. Sure. Is that what, no Sam Goody's a music place? Could be Stuckies. No, what's the what's the Sam <laughs> Sam the Sam Stuckies. the Sam the Travelers thing? Good Sam, oh. good Sam, or is it Good Sam? No, that's not it. It's not Sam Goodies. That's where I used to buy CDs and tapes. Goodies powder. No, it's not that's Goodies not headache it. powder. <laughs> Welcome back to Cartoon Casual, sponsored by Goodies headache powder. <laughs> that would be a great sponsor. I I and Chicklets gum. That would be, be hilarious. Great. Anyway, they tried to stop there. Know. They pulled in, and as soon as they like opened up the door to get out of the truck, all they could smell was refinery. Because there, there's a refinery <laughs> on either side of the road that they were they're like, no, nope. Close the door. Closed the door, pulled out of there, waved at the people, and t- took off, and they just kept driving, I don't know, 30 miles on the west you side. You might be of, smelling of, refinery, but there are numerous places in Texas right now where gas is less than $2 a gallon. So Yeah, I'm sure they- smell refinery I'm the sure time. they fueled everything up as much as yeah. possible. But then they, they I get a text 
So then they're like, oh, we're, I, I didn't hear from them for a day and a half. And I tried calling them. I'm like, you guys all right? And they're like, oh, yeah, we found this place and whatever. Okay. Yesterday morning, so Saturday morning, mm-hmm. I get a text at 730. Hey, Jobo, we just crossed over into Arizona. I'm like, what the fuck? Did you guys even sleep? Right. Like, where's the fire? Does somebody have cancer? Right. Like, what the fuck are you in a rush for? They don't even have reservations. Like, what's in that an RV drug park. the Germans used during World War II? Yeah, they were Amph- just... methamphetamine. Oh, methamphetamine. Yeah, they were. I can't they were remember what them. their trade name they called there were, it. There was like, some funny name. For yeah, it. it was like yeah. Pepinzi Brain. I don't know. <laughs> uh, brain and Pepin. Uh, but yeah, they they're just like champing at the bit to get to the fucking desert. I'm like, all right, hey, whatever, that, whatever. They were able to get their reservation two days early and get into a spot in Tucson, so they're there now. And they're going to be up here in Kingman for the next few months. It's uh, probably nice down there right now. It is. I got to like seventy today. Yeah. I'm, that's what one of the reasons I'm looking forward to going. I don't. I don't. I never look forward to that drive uh-huh. to go down there from Kingman because it's a. It's a. It's just a long trip. Yeah, it's a little bit too long. It. Yeah. If I was in a. If I was in a more comfortable vehicle, uh-huh. it wouldn't be a problem for me because I don't mind driving all day long. I. I right. I'll drive like the wind. Listen to books. Listen to podcasts. Yeah. Music. Whatever. It's just, it's just, and I've told you this before. It's, I don't have cruise stop control. Stop with the quick trips, QTs. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> all day, every day. Uh, you don't even have to stop the QT. I'm stopping. I'm I'm, st- I don't, ha- I don't need stopping. fuel, but I'm going to put 35 cents in my gas tank right now because I want to go in and get some food from the QT. In a, in a rooster, <laughs> fucking rooster booster, man. <laughs> all the time, love that rooster booster. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the happiest I was when Portia came back to visit. It was like the second time she came back to visit after going down to Tucson for school. I think it was like around Christmas time or just after. And she showed up. She goes, Merry Christmas. Oh, she brought you a rooster And she booster? brought me a 12-pack of Rooster Booster <laughs> light and cans, like the sugar-free, and I was so happy. I've I forgotten they sell it in cans down there. Yeah. That, the yeah. So now they're starting to can up, bottle it up. Yeah, whatever. for years now. They've, okay. they've, they've sold it for probably 10, 10 12 years. I just go for the massive two-gallon cup. Jesus, I know. It's one of those things. I uh, the and amount by of time times, where you arrive, you're not ready to rest at all. You're. I uh, used to go to a lot of concerts in Phoenix, and it was always a turn and burn. It was my early twenties. Didn't have the money to buy a hotel room, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's whatever. It's two and a half hours there, three hours depending on where you know we're at in the valley. The the concert is. Go down there, watch the show, maybe see, hang out, and see if you can talk to the band afterward. And then stop by a QT, grab a bite to eat, and the 64-ounce Rooster Booster. <laughs> and I still can't believe that I don't, one, have diabetes, and mm-hmm. two, was able to fall asleep when I got home. Yeah. Because uh, I had does a, that. a cup of coffee at like 2 o'clock this afternoon, and I'm, I'll am i have trouble sleeping tonight. We had a QT that was, uh, there's two QTs now within my house I still own in, in Georgia. There's one an eighth of a mile away down the road, but it wasn't there when I lived there, there was one like a mile and a half. There's, there's within two miles. There are yeah. two QTs where I was. Anyway, I would get if I had to pull an all nighter. In fact, one of the times it was I was prepping to sell the property or something, and the floor was all fucked up from resin and crap. And we were producing trailers there, so it wasn't quite as neat as I am here now. Anyway, I had to, I had to buy this vibrating floor scraper device that I rented. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, I to gotta get the get, resin off the floor. Yeah, this was taking a lot longer. I'm going, I gotta get this thing back tomorrow morning at eight or whatever. I sh- other shit to do too. Fuck it, it's an all nighter. I was getting rooster boosters all night, just right oh down my there, God. riding this thing. This vibrating blade thing that was scraping off. Everybody in the neighborhood's the like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> fucking Mr. Gaines is up all night. He's all rooster boosted." It was great. Anyway, it's good stuff, and they always have good food. They're always well stocked. They're very quick. They're extremely good at service. They're boom, boom. They yeah. just know how to get you. And in they're clean. Their bathrooms are always clean. Bathrooms are top notch. Can't say enough about. It. I think. I think it's a. We've spoken about this before. I think it's a privately held 
consortium or company. You can't I, buy, it, I don't think, Quick Trick Stop. No, I don't Quick think Tri- so. They're not franchise. It's like four guys that are yeah. probably the richest people in the world now. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Quick. Yes, and Mr. Trip. Can we check out now? Can we stop? Uh, yeah, I think I we wanna, need I want to punch out now. I, Paul needs it's to punch sun, out. It's Sunday. i got to get up early tomorrow. Paul's got things to do, and so do yeah. I. I've got I have to drive like 1,000 miles tomorrow. So. All right, y'all. All right. Have a good week, folks.